This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 14th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Two drugs that have been in use for other purposes and some have indicated would help address COVID-19 have, as you might expect, been politicized. And whether or not these drugs are a valuable treatment for this novel coronavirus, it's largely beside the point, according to Cato's Jeff Singer. He argues the use of these drugs ought to remain a matter between physicians and patients. Well, even before the COVID-19 pandemic, um, there were uh, practitioners, clinicians, who uh, believed that chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine, two drugs that have been in, in use since uh, the 1960s or so for the treatment of malaria and also of, and for malaria prophylaxis, and also to treat a lot of uh, connective tissue diseases like rheumatoid arthritis and lupus. There were uh, reasons to believe that it might be helpful in preventing the spread of, of, of uh, the influenza virus. So there were some scatter reports here and there of doctors trying it and uh, saying that it, it reduced uh, uh, the severity of the illness or even reversed the illness. But it was all just anecdotal. So when the, uh, this outbreak from COVID-19 started, um, there were doctors treating patients in hospitals in China and elsewhere in Korea, who knowing this and seeing patients get desperately ill, began to try it. And there are different theories as to why these two drugs might work. Uh, and nobody really knows yet if they even do work and which, uh, and which reason for it working is the right reason. So this is all in a very, very you know, uh, infant stage. There are a lot of people who are describing this as uh, there is some sort of conspiracy to keep this drug uh, out of use, to keep people from talking about the potential uh, for this drug. Most of that is in is in right wing media. Yeah, I don't think there's any conspiracy. Um, it's unfortunate, however, uh, that and this is the point uh, that I've written about that because uh, President Trump at one of the task force briefings in, in mid-March uh, spoke of these drugs as if it, it had already been pretty much shown that they work and they were, I think to use his words, a game changer, that sort of brought politics into this whole thing. So uh, first of all, he, he was incorrect about that and he shouldn't have said that. But besides that, uh, the very fact that he became associated with that made uh, a lot of people who don't like much of anything that Trump is associated with, suddenly uh, put the kibosh on any thoughts about this, these drugs having potential. Now, as a healthcare practitioner myself, and a person who considers himself an applied scientist, what, what really irks me and worries me is that, for, well, first of all, we don't know if these dr drugs really do work, but there is a lot of early observational reporting and what they call anecdotal reporting uh, uh, by doctors around the world that suggest that it might, these drugs might actually either reduce the severity of illness or maybe even reverse the illness. On the other hand, there are some reports that where they've done clinical trials that suggest it may not. So we really don't know, but it would be wrong to say that there are not encouraging anecdotal reports that would be cause for a clinician to keep this on their mind, sort of on their shelf in their armamentarium when they're dealing with disease. And what's happening in reaction to the fact that that uh, use of 
these drugs has almost become associated with uh, right-wing media and right-wing talk show hosts. Um, many uh, in the media who are not of, on the right, and also many politicians have reacted by putting restrictions on the use of these drugs. In several states, uh, one of the first ones was Nevada, uh, even in my state, governors have put restrictions on on what they can be prescribed for, and you cannot necessarily prescribe them to treat people with with COVID-19, or if you can, in my state, you're only allowed to prescribe to treat them for 14 days. Now, here's my, my whole problem with this thing. Um, ever since the FDA uh, in 1962 required efficacy testing before they would approve a drug, it has been uh, permitted by the FDA for doctors to prescribe drugs for anything that their judgment based upon what they're reading in the, in the medical reports and the medical and scientific literature and their own knowledge of their patients suggests they may want to do. So for example, if you're applying for your drug to be approved by the FDA, you're a pharmaceutical manufacturer, you're supposed to list in your application what the intended use of the drug is. If it gets approved, it'll say on the label, this is approved for the use uh, to treat condition X. However, the FDA has no uh, quarrel or qualms about clinicians using that drug to treat for anything else that their judgment and their understanding of medical reports leads them to use it for. And that's what's referred to as off-label use. And off-label, so off-label use is, is very common. In fact, according to government reports, roughly 25%, of, I'm sorry, 20% of, of prescriptions written in the United States are written for off-label uses. Sometimes the FDA takes years before they amend the label to include these uses on the label because they require lengthy uh, trials, uh, randomized controlled trials before they would do that. To give an example, from many, many years, probably 20 years, I'm not precise about this, doctors have been using aspirin uh, to prevent recurrent strokes and heart attacks. Yet it wasn't until 2014 that the FDA approved changing the label on aspirin to include uh, cardiovascular uh, health, because up until then it was only approved for the use for treatment of fevers and aches and pains. So uh, this is, a, of course, this is a drug that much of the public is very familiar with. So, but that's an excellent example. So f- this is the way medical knowledge is actually advanced. When the FDA takes uh, its sweet time uh, approving drugs and requiring uh, firms that have developed drugs to jump through a bunch of hoops to get them approved for labels that otherwise would be off uh, label, um, what does that do to the ability? Uh, I mean, for physicians who are uh, you know, up on the literature, they might be willing to prescribe these drugs, but you have to imagine that there are a lot of physicians who are going to wait until a drug is approved by the FDA. No, not necessarily. Um, it's very common, for example, um, for a, a physician to, you know, read repeatedly in medical journals of reports from around the world that this off-label use of the drug really works in treating a particular condition. And or, or they hear these presentations when they go to medical conferences. And eventually, a situation develops for them where they have a patient who's not doing well with the standard approaches, is aware of these reports, 
starts trying it out as well. And if that physician has similar uh, laudatory results, then oftentimes those physicians will also write in the literature, either as letters to the editor or their own reports. And eventually, enough momentum builds behind the off-label use of the drug that it be- the off-label use becomes a mainstream use uh, that is really independent of the fact that the FDA has not decided to call it an approved use. Perfect example, again, was aspirin. Almost every cardiologist and many primary care doctors were prescribing aspirin way before 2014 when the FDA approved it for the use for cardiovascular prophylaxis. So so you really don't need the FDA approval for that, which brings up a totally separate issue, which is then why do we have to wait all these years for the FDA to approve a drug for efficacy? Why doesn't it just concern itself with safety? Because once it approves it for efficacy for condition A, it doesn't really care. The FDA doesn't really care if you use it for conditions B through Z. They trust your judgment and and you're you know, you're keeping up on the on the medical literature. So then, why did you have to wait all those years for A? Why don't you just allow, allow clinicians to use it for A through Z? Just confirm that it's safe. If twenty percent of prescriptions in the United States are for off-label use. Does that mean there are a lot of physicians who are just waiting for FDA approval? And if not, what are they waiting for? Actually, most physicians aren't waiting for FDA approval because they're using these drugs regardless of the fact that the FDA has not yet approved it. What physicians base their their judgment on, and this is how medical advances are often made, is they read reports of Success, success is using the drug off-label in certain situations in, in their medical journals, at scientific meetings, then they uh, themselves have patients with similar problems uh, and they decide to use that drug in that situation and they have similar success and then they report it as well. And eventually these off-label uses become mainstream accepted uses by medical practitioners independent of what the FDA thinks. A perfect example is the one I gave earlier of aspirin, where for many, many years, doctors were using this to prevent recurrent strokes and heart attacks in patients, even though the FDA took until 2014 to approve it for that use. That didn't, when they approved it for that use in 2014, by that time, it was like, tell me something I don't know. Doctors were already doing this. It didn't influence them because if if anything, the doctors influenced the FDA the other way around. And so one of my problems with the reaction to the hydroxychloroquine situation is that when politicians suddenly start to get into this, they're not allowing that dynamic that I just described to you to take place, which interferes with medical advances. They're not allowing doctors to use their own judgment Uh, based upon their knowledge of the scientific reports and based upon their knowledge of their particular patients and their dilemmas. And aside from that, it's also uh, a rights issue. Every single human being has the fundamental right to self-medicate. And you're having politicians basically say to patients, because I'm not convinced, and these aren't even doctors, because I'm not convinced that the drug is helpful to you, I'm not going to let you have it. Uh, And that to me is immoral. Um, uh, Obviously, a rational person is going to want to consult with an expert like their physician to say, is this something I should take? Or do I have certain medical conditions? Or am I on certain other drugs that might 
make this particular new drug like hydroxychloroquine not react well with me. Maybe I'm not a good candidate for it. Obviously, a rational person is going to to ask an expert about that. But at the end of the day, this should be a decision that should be left to the patient in consultation with an expert. And the, the politicians should keep out of this. If we kept doing this, are we going to have politicians now start to dictate to doctors just what and how much to prescribe for high blood pressure or for diabetes or for cholesterol? I mean, they seem to, they've already gotten into the business when it comes to, you know, the management of pain. They're already telling me how many days of pain medicine I can prescribe to my post-op patient because they seem to know better than me or my patient how much pain they're in. Now they're telling me that I can or cannot prescribe hydroxychloroquine to a patient that I may I fear may be dying from COVID-19 based upon what I'm reading about it. Are they next going to tell me how I could treat hypertension? This is a slippery slope and it, it violates patients' rights and it, it's also destroying the, the integrity of the medical profession. Jeff Singer is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.